listening to the Testudo Times Podcast, the official podcast of SB Nation's Maryland Terrapins Colossus. And welcome to episode 75 of the Testudo Times Podcast. I actually don't have a witty intro this week. Normally I do, but my brain isn't functioning properly right now, I guess. Uh, normally I introduce Ryan first, but screw that. Thomas, hello. How's it going? Uh, not bad. It was an interesting night. Uh, last night, we are recording this on Tuesday, for women's basketball because the NCAA Tournament Committee finally saw the Terps for what they are, and then they lost. Yeah, that was uh, kind of a shame. I think uh, most likely they're probably right back where they were, you know, right around that 8-9-ish area. It's it's still weird. We can argue about that, not us, but we'll argue that until the day the cows come home, I guess. And uh, Ryan, I figured it was time to introduce you second on this show for once. You know, I won't be around forever, so I feel like I feel like that's appropriate. Yeah, we all won't be around forever. I don't think I don't think we all, our career goals are set here. I, I no hope not. No, no offense to everybody who reads the site and loves it. We all love it too, but we have higher career goals than that. So. This is going to be a pretty basketball-focused show because, unlike in recent weeks where there was other stuff happening, uh, it's really basketball-centric this week. So we should go into the two games that have happened. It was the toughest two-game stretch, I'd say, for the Terps all season. And, Ryan, it was interesting this week because of the way the two games went down. Northwestern with Mellow Trimble silencing Welsh Ryan Arena. What a sentence that is. I can't still comprehend the fact that that is a sentence that I have uttered multiple times in the past week. And then Wisconsin, which was really the first time all season that the Terps were outplayed by a better team. So what would you like to start with? Well, I think we might as well go into uh, the overarching theme of the week, which has to be about Mellow Trimble, I think. Um, Yeah. You know, this was as good as we've seen Mellow Trimble play ever. And uh, I know just as a viewer, it was exciting. I was at the North Carolina game last year, and I, I was in the stands. But that was really the last time we'd seen Mellow Trimble just take over a game and, uh, you know, for an extended period. And against Northwestern and Wisconsin, he did that for probably longer than he did against uh, UNC. I just think uh, it's it's weird because, you know, with Mellow Trimble's struggles, I'm putting struggles very much in air quotes over here, uh, you know, there haven't always been, you know, one of the overarching themes was, oh, well, he should just make more threes, which is, you know, well, he can only try so hard to do that. And, you know, it does, didn't appear to be a uh, a mechanical issue or anything like that. Uh, you know, people have asked Turgeon and Mello a couple of times and they were like, nope, nothing mechanical. And the shots didn't seem especially different than the ones he'd been taking earlier. It's They were just going in and... That definitely helped him a large part, but, uh, you know, he just had extended periods where he was attacking the rim and the team was running him off a lot of ball screens, which they weren't doing earlier in the year. And, uh, you know, Maryland's offense as a whole was impacted in kind of an interesting way, I think. You know, there's you could see occasionally there would be other players just standing around because Mello was just going to go do his thing. Um, and, you know... I'm not sure if that's a problem that needs to be fixed or if it's just, well, Mello's dominating right now and I think that's okay. But, uh, you know, having Mello play like that, shoot that well, and be able to drive to the basket that well uh, is only a good thing. And assuming we get a couple bounce-back performances from some of the freshmen, uh, 
you know, Maryland's got to be looking pretty good because being Northwestern on the road, even without uh, Scotty Lindsay, is pretty good. And, you know, no real shame in losing to a team like Wisconsin on the road. This is true, although Northwestern tried their darndest to lose at home to Rutgers in the following game. Just saying. <laughs> we must make this point clear. Uh, Thomas, I want to speak about Mello Trimble more because we haven't seen him really take over games, not just this season, but in the past as well. And largely, Maryland didn't need him to take over games because they had other players who could help him shoulder the load or they'd take over games themselves. And this season, Maryland's had a very balanced offense. We've seen everybody have good games on this team, at least at one point this season. But in the past two games, Melo Trimble seemed to be the only player having a good game, particularly against Wisconsin. He was really the only player that stood out in a positive way for the Terps. I, I guess you don't want to have to see Melo Trimble own a game because it means other players aren't playing particularly well. At least it seems that way. But what do you think about that? Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, last year, you know, there, there were a bunch of you know, NBA guys and pro guys on the team. And so, you know, really you don't need anyone to take over when you have that many. Um, yeah, this year, you know, Justin Jackson took over a few games. I mean, there were a lot of games, especially early in the year, like in those, uh, like against Kansas State, those kind of games, um, where Trimble did take over at times or, you know, especially late. Um, but, yeah, in conference play, it was kind of all over the place. Justin Jackson uh, had those couple really great games. Um, Kevin Herter... Anthony Cowan, they've all, you know, had their moments. But, yeah, the last two games, none of them really, you know, seemed to rise up. And Melo Trimble made up for all of it against Northwestern and uh, couldn't shoulder quite enough against the Badgers. I think that's also a difference in the quality of the team. And while Northwestern is going to make the tournament, which is great to see, uh, Wisconsin is a vastly superior team. And you saw that Melo Trimble cannot beat a vastly superior team than Northwestern by himself on the road. And I, we, I don't want to see Melo Trimble have to do that again this season. And yet I do, because watching Melo Trimble take over is amazing. And I don't know how many more chances we're going to have, Ryan, to see that. But then B, if he has to take over a game, that means Maryland isn't playing its best game. And when you get into the NCAA tournament and the conference tournament, which are one and dones you win you go on you lose you're out Maryland can't afford to have Melo Trimble be the only player who's seeing shots fall yeah and I think um you know part of that uh you know he was getting some nice help from uh, Michael Tchaikovsky when he was back but unfortunately he just uh he suffered a season-ending injury against Wisconsin the team announced on Monday uh you know he was four or five for 10 points now certainly some of these points are easy lobs and put back dunks. But uh, Checo had been the best post offense Maryland had got all season. And now it's not going to have that going forward. I think, and was, he was the only at 10 points. He was the uh, next highest scorer behind Trimble's 27 against Wisconsin. And that is not a formula for success. However you, however you not, go about it. Correct. Um, but I do, I do think the, uh, you know, we do have to be careful of the, you know, Trimble taking over and everyone else not scoring enough points and exactly what the relationship between that is um, and whether that is the right offense. You're right. I think uh, having Mello in the zone like that is good no matter how you cut it. Um, I think he, you know, when he sees other players struggling, I think he might just like shut it down and be like, all right, I'm going to take this. 
But um, I think, you know, if Maryland's offense just gets in the position where Herter and Jackson especially are still, you know, if Mel is driving and he's going to create open threes for them, then I think that's going to end up being really good. And I think uh, it's, I don't know, it's the idea that everyone's standing around while Melo does everything is, you know, not exactly a, you know, I don't think we should necessarily say that's what's happening on the court. I think that might be happening on occasion. But um, I think Melo playing like he did against Wisconsin and Northwestern is going to be good as long as you can combine that with, uh, you know, Jackson, Cowan, and Herter, you know, being open and taking advantage of the opportunities that a, you know, on-fire Melo Trimble is definitely going to give them. Well, again, we could see Melo Trimble be on fire and then other players play well at the same time, and then, bam, right. Maryland becomes almost unbeatable. <laughs> but that that's a, a world I'd like to see ha- uh, we uh, see us live in, but that's not the world that often exists, part A. Uh, maybe the Michael Tchaikovsky injury will force Mark Turgeon to do the thing where he plays more guards than he plays big men for once. Because, again, Maryland's offense has looked better when they go smaller. But we'll let Matt talk about that on a future show. Uh, Thomas, what do you think the impact of Michael Tchaikovsky's injury will be? Because he had been playing really well, uh, particularly against Wisconsin. But he had some great games uh, this season. And losing him is going to be a big blow because we know Mark Turgeon likes to have his big men on the floor. And Tchaikovsky was the one who at least contributed something offensively on a more consistent basis. Yeah, uh, DeMonte Dodd, you know, he's good defensively. He's you know, not quite as much of a scorer as Tchaikovsky was. But, you know, still having Dodd, you know, helps. Although, beyond that, if you must play a center, that becomes even Bender, which is, is just not really ideal for for Maryland to have to play Bender at center. You know, um, from there, yeah, there's, you know, you can start to experiment with some things like, you know, Justin Jackson at five and, playing some kind of Jackson Gill, Jackson Bender, we, you know, weird little lineups. But, um, yeah, I, I think that's what Turgeon's going to have to do because it's not like Dodd's someone who can play 40 minutes. Um, and, yeah, Turgeon's definitely going to have to like, experiment with a lot of different stuff. And he only has four games left to do it in the regular season, although I wouldn't say that those four games are particularly earth-shattering. Uh, there is no Wisconsin left on the schedule, at least in the regular season, that is. Uh, Ryan, do you think we're going to see something like that from Mark Turgeon? We remember earlier on in the year when both Tchaikovsky and Dodd were out that he did go small, and that was against Illinois when the Terps played really well. But when Tchaikovsky was out otherwise, I don't think we saw much change. We just saw more even Bender. And Bender's an okay player, but he's not somebody who can quite do what Tchaikovsky has done. Yeah, you know, I don't think we're going to see Justin Jackson at the five. Uh, it could be a wrinkle. Maybe Turgeon knows he can save for the postseason, but I I just don't think he operates that way. Um, and I think he, you know, he hasn't really played Jackson at the five. Maybe he did slightly against Illinois, but that was in a game where Maryland didn't have Dodd or Joukowsky from the start. And uh, barring an injury to DeMonte Dodd, that's not going to happen. Uh, going down the stretch, I think uh, in today Turgeon said, you know, you know, there's going to be a lot of pressure on Dodd now. Oh, pressure is not exactly the word, but uh, you know, he can't have Dodd playing 15 minutes because he racked up early fouls. You know, Dodd's going to have to play at least 25, which you know isn't that many. But you know, when you're the team's only big man, 
and you rack up a couple fouls, uh, you all of a sudden aren't playing 25 minutes as much. And uh, yeah, I think we're going to be, see, be seeing Bender at center, uh, probably LG Gill a little bit more. Uh, you know, I think we'd all like to see what a, you know, Warriors death lineup with uh, Justin Jackson at the five would look like. I'd but, love uh, to see I, that. I don't, I, I just, the Turgeon hasn't showed any uh, preference for that for whatever reason. One of them, I mean, one reason could just be, I remember when he talked about Diamond Stone last year, he said he wasn't going to play Diamond as a power forward and was only going to play him as a center because he was a freshman and wanted to make sure he could learn this one position. And, you know, maybe the same thing applies with Jackson, where he doesn't want to have to teach a freshman a whole new position. We've seen how hard it was for a senior like LG Gill to go back and forth between positions. Uh, so that that could be a reason, but I'm completely just speculating at this point. Well, I don't think it's bad speculation. It makes a ton of sense. But I, I think we should now go into the Wisconsin performance and what it means more globally. I think everybody knew that Maryland played quite poorly in that game, but... Thomas, it was time for Maryland to play that poorly in a game. Surprising that we hadn't seen a performance like that pretty much all year from a team that has three freshmen starting every game pretty much and one that Maryland hasn't played great teams consistently. But that's the kind of performance that I thought most of us expected we'd see more often than we have. And that's a credit to Mark Turgeon and the coaching that this team has gotten that we haven't seen true duds like that against teams lower down on the pecking order than Wisconsin. Well, Penn State was Well, yeah, kind but of, I mean, I'm exactly. talking about I'm talking about where they got badly outplayed, well not badly outplayed, but outplayed as opposed to just serving up a dud. I think those are two different kinds of performances and Maryland's thrown duds together. Let's be obvious yeah. about that. But in terms yeah. of just getting outplayed like there wasn't much more Maryland could have done to win, yeah, they got beaten up on the offensive glass, but that's something that is very Maryland to occur. You know, mm-hmm. they missed some free throws. It's the kind of game that we expected them to have more often as opposed to, you know, wow, they played badly and should have played a lot better. Yeah, that's fair. I think, you know, it, it says something more about, you know, it, it says some about the schedule and some about the team itself that, you know, you waited until – you know, the 27th game of the regular season or whatever that was to um, play a team that was clearly better than, than Maryland is. And, you know, even even as, as good as Purdue is, they looked about even when they played. Um, you know, that game obviously came down to the last second. Um, but, yeah, Wisconsin just ran past them in the second half. And, um, you know, obviously a few things went into that. But, yeah, no, the that team's for real. And... You know, have three of best 10, 15 players in the conference, I'd say. Yep. And, yeah, it, it's it's tough to be that team on the road when only one of your players is really doing anything. This is true. And I think we should say about Purdue, again, Maryland at home is a different animal than Maryland on the road, let's be fair. Uh, Maryland on a neutral court is also a different animal, but I don't think we have enough information to say what this iteration of Maryland looks like on a neutral court because the team is way different than it was in November when it was playing on neutral courts. We haven't mentioned a ton about bracketology on this show, and I feel like we probably should do a little of that, Ryan. Um, the, the bracketology predictions for Maryland right now are pretty much having them as a six seed. Uh, that is a bit higher than I thought. I think even with 
the way that the tournament committee seeded the Big Ten in its initial S-curve and then with Maryland's resume and the conference they're in, I thought they'd even be lower than that. But I guess the sixth seed is a testament to the fact that they've won a ton of games, which isn't bad. And right now, I mean, I don't think that they could get much higher than that. I also don't think they could really get much lower than that. But what do you think? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, this S6 seed seems like they've pretty much got it. Uh, you know, like the committee seems like they've pretty much nailed Maryland, and it doesn't seem like there's many other places Maryland can go. Uh, you know, barring a, you know, four-game losing streak down the stretch, which seems extremely, extremely unlikely, uh, you know, anything that Maryland does in the tournament, uh, in the Big Ten tournament, probably won't factor in that much. So, you know, unless Maryland goes ahead and wins its last four games and wins the Big Ten tournament. And even then, uh, the way that the committee seems to be viewing the Big Ten, you still – Maryland probably wouldn't move to more than, like, a five, I'd say. Uh, but, yeah, I think, uh, you know, this is this is a spot that Maryland should be pretty happy with. I don't know where we're all thinking Maryland was going to get – in the beginning, but I feel like a six seed was would would be high. You know, I, I think that's as good as fans could have hoped going into the season. I absolutely say that, and a six is very interesting for me because who did Maryland get paired with in most of these pods in the bracketology predictions? Duke. I know I saw this last year when Maryland was predicted to be a five and Duke was predicted to be a four, and I said that's not happening. And for the second year in a row, I'm also like, nah, I don't think that's going to happen either. Uh, but it would be cool, and it would spite Mike Krzyzewski, and Maryland fans would love that. But I, I can't see that happening, just the way the S-curve works. I, it's, it's very idealistic. But it's, it's just a note that I've seen that Maryland is paired with Duke a lot in these projections. But I wouldn't want to play Duke right now as a three seed, and, and or I don't think Duke ends up as a three seed. They're playing too well right now. But Yeah, I think they end up probably is it too i mean they're just too hot right now i could absolutely say that as well uh let's talk about the final uh, couple of games they play minnesota at home on wednesday the day you are listening to this and then they play iowa at home they have beaten both of these teams on the road fairly close games in both instances but both teams aren't spectacular minnesota's better than iowa but these are games as well as the final two games of the year Thomas, that Maryland should be expected to win. They're at home and they're playing teams that they are at least demonstrably better than because we have evidence of that already. Uh, what do you want to see from this team in those two games? Um, I think really the most important thing is just how do they uh, line up with the front court? You know, without you know knowing they won't have Tchaikovsky, you know, how does that affect you know how many minutes you know? Dodd gets, Bender gets, Gill gets, and all, all that. Um, that's that's really what I'll be paying attention to. Um, I don't think it'll be too much of an issue against uh, these teams, which are, um, if I remember correctly, they're kind of smaller teams. Um, but it, it will be worth watching. It will be worth watching. Ryan, what do you think? Um, yeah, I mean, I think these. it's weird looking at this schedule and seeing four games that, you know, Maryland's, you know, Ken Palm projects Maryland to win all these games, and I imagine Maryland will probably be favored in all these games. But still, a sweep, you know, would still probably surprise me. Uh, Rutgers is the one game that you'd think is a guaranteed win just because uh, Rutgers is still not there yet. Um, but I I don't know. that You know, 
Minnesota is definitely tough. They're only ranked a couple spots behind Maryland and Ken Palm. Michigan State, you know, at the uh, season finale, that won't be easy either. But uh, I don't well, know. Will I, it? But will it not be that easy? Because Michigan State has gone on the road and looked awful against a bunch of, like they got destroyed at Purdue, who Maryland hung tough with. They got destroyed at Michigan, who Maryland beat on the road. They're injured. I don't know if that game is as difficult as some of us make it out to be. Maybe it's just our perception of Michigan State as opposed to what they actually are. Um, What's the perception of when, even when the team isn't at full strength or even when the team isn't that talented, because of who their coach is and because of their track record, you believe that they're going to give everyone you know, their best. That's true. Yeah, I'm, again, I'm sure. I see the evidence to the contrary this year. I've flipped on them, but maybe that's just no. Me. I mean, they're the I I would I you know expect Maryland to win, but I'd still say it's very much not a given. And yeah, I mean, I will say the you know I think this this applies to Michigan State football too. But everyone you know will always kind of still count in Michigan State, which you know we probably shouldn't. I'd say definitely shouldn't as much as. Uh, just, just because that's what the program is, but um, I don't know. You know, you can't. That that one is still not maybe the guaranteed win that uh, we all might think it is. I don't think it's a guaranteed win, but it's one that Maryland would certainly be favored in. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. they'll they'll be favored in one of these games. Uh, that's mm-hmm. absolutely the case, and I wanted to make that point clear that some of us might still think, oh, it's Izzo, it's Izzo in March. Maryland it shouldn't be favored in this game. Uh, no, they they should be. I mean, and Maryland will probably be favored by like. Four, five, I don't know. One note about that game that we should mention. This might be the first time you're hearing it. That game will be Saturday the 4th at 2 on BTN because CBS decided that Northwestern was more interesting. I really who's, can't blame them. because Who's Northwestern playing in that Purdue. game? Uh, yeah, I think, I think it's Purdue's more interesting. It is true. Well, that game is more interesting because of the storylines with Northwestern. So, what, what can you Yeah, I think, at? yeah, that's, I mean, that, I'd, I'd, I'd do the same thing. We should switch gears now and focus on the women's team, as we mentioned briefly off the top of the show, Thomas. Maryland was finally shown some love by the tournament committee and then lost at Ohio State in the first half of that game. The Buckeyes were at one point like 16 for 20 from the field or something ridiculous, and Maryland just couldn't keep up. They have a great offense, as we know, but if you're off defensively against a decent team like that on the road, you're not going to win. Yeah, and I mean... Calling Ohio State a decent team and selling them way short—they're—they're they're pretty loaded. Like the, the, this girl Alexa Hart, who was a starter for them last year, is kind of just a bench player for them right now. And then she scored 15 points last night. You know they have just a, a really stacked team, obviously headed by uh, Kelsey Mitchell, who destroys the Terps every time. Um, yeah, and Ohio State is in general played kind of out of their minds. They shot 63 percent, I believe. And Maryland only shot 41%, which is their worst figure this season. So, you know, just that disparity, it's almost impossible to, you know, make up for that. And Maryland, to their credit, almost did. Obviously, you know, they kind of don't have the control of the Big Ten they thought they were going to. You know, Ohio State still kind of has, you know, bragging rights over Maryland. You know, just that that psychological thing, which I think is at least worth something. Um and yeah, it, it it does basically kill off Maryland's chances of getting a one seed, even if they were to beat the Buckeyes again. This is true. Uh, well, maybe it kills off their chances against a one seed, uh, unless chaos happens above them. But even with the chaos that happened above them, I think 
I was watching the game uh, last night, and a bunch of teams got crossed off because they lost, and then Maryland still only moved up to the seventh overall seed. Yeah, I mean, you know, a team like South Carolina has, you know, a lot of really good wins and only one, maybe two kind of iffy losses. And, you know, there's there's just a lot of teams like that. And I get the committee has shown that they prefer you to have more quality wins than, you know, fewer losses. And so I, that's why I don't think this loss will kill Maryland that much. I think it moves them down a couple of spots, but it puts them back in that spot where they didn't really like being kind of ninth, which slates them to be A, a three seed, and B, a UConn's region, which is just kind of not not the best situation. That is, a, that is a situation that seems kind of not good. <laughs> I was hoping that they'd play in the national championship game, but uh, at that rate, maybe maybe they play a lot earlier than that. I wouldn't be shocked at all based on the way that this has gone this year with the tournament committee that Maryland actually plays UConn in the region. But And, and the reason I wouldn't want to play UConn in the region is because they, they stick a region in Bridgeport every year. And then that's basically UConn home games. Absolutely, that's ab- you're absolutely right with that. Is there one in Bridgeport this year? Yep. Oh, okay. Uh, that so, would mean, and that would mean Maryland has to play a road game, and that kind of might stinks. as well be in stores. Might as well. This is, this, women's basketball is fun. That game was entertaining, even if Maryland wasn't able to keep up in an offensive shootout. Uh, what's left for the Terps in the regular season in the Big Ten tournament? Presumably, they're going to get to the final. And maybe Ohio State's against them next? What, what, what do you think the rest of this season, how do you think it's going to play out? Well, uh, senior day is Minnesota. That is Sunday afternoon. Um, it's going to be cool. Shatori Walker-Kimbrough and Bree Jones, um, they're going to have their jerseys uh, up in the rafters that day. Uh, it's going to be real cool because they've been you know, phenomenal for four years. And then the Big Ten tournament, yeah, Maryland should be favored against pretty much everyone if if ohio state wins their last game then maryland will be the two seed in that and ohio state will be the one seed in the tournament even though they'll split the um regular season title just for for that purpose um but ohio state will be the one um and yet they'll be on really a collision course to meet again unless something crazy happens and that game would basically become you know really the sort of referendum on Maryland season you know are they the best team in the Big Ten or are they not and that that I think that's you know more important than either the first game or even the, maybe the UConn game nationally absolutely Ryan do you have any thoughts on this uh as my dog barks in the background I was uh, wondering no, about that yes I, he uh, might have thoughts on this situation she she might I'm I'm dog sitting at my parents house right now uh uh-huh. she, she a Huskies fan <laughs> uh, I, I, maybe probably not because I think Huskies are a bit rivalrous. It's true, uh, but no, no, not not particular. I think Thomas hit the nail on the head. Um, I'm I will say I think the Shatori Walker, Kimbrough, Brianna Jones Senior Day thing should really be one of the bigger events that you know any Maryland basketball program has ever. That's true. Well, they also hosted UConn this year and sold out the barn. Yeah. I, I expect it to be pretty full Sunday. Like, okay. obviously not a sellout, but it'll be second to just that, I think, for this season and really the time I've been covering them for two years. That's going to be pretty exciting. Yes, that should be a lot of fun. 
and it will be very entertaining to see how the Terps get seated down the stretch and whether they can finally beat Ohio State because that seems to be every team seems to have that one that they can't beat and for Maryland women it always seems to be Ohio State since they joined the Big Ten weird as it might be but that is the story it seems to be uh, there isn't much news otherwise it's been a very quiet couple of weeks uh, except Ryan uh, we now know when the Maryland football spring game is for the few of us that actually care about that it's true the moment you've all been waiting for uh, April 22nd at Maryland Stadium will be Maryland spring game they're gonna have uh, spring practice for the three weeks uh, leading up to that and we'll have a bunch of stuff from those practices and uh, yeah I think it'll be this this will be a spring game that I will say you know and this will be all I say about the spring game on this podcast as it is two months away. Uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see what we uh, what we see from Caleb Henderson. That'll be our first real look. I guess I, I'll get a look at him in spring practice, but I don't know if the rest of you guys will. And uh, it'll that that'll be everyone's first real introduction to him, assuming he's playing. And uh, that you know, the quarterback thing is going to be the biggest story or one of the biggest stories around Maryland next year, and that'll be kind of our big first look at it. When is Maryland's quarterbacks not? the biggest story about <laughs> I, football i think it, we're in a period right now where like you know 2017 will still be a weird year because either you have kasim hill starting as a true freshman or uh you know henderson starting when he hasn't played football in a couple of years and, or tyrell pigram starting as a quarterback who can't throw the ball very well or pigram starting when but i think he, he'll only be the starter if he makes if he makes some big improvements throwing the ball so whatever happens next year could still be a work in progress. But by 2018, you, you imagine Maryland's quarterback, uh, you know, they, they will not be a quarterback controversy, you you might think. You would hope there, so. Or maybe there will be. Well, I mean, you'll still have Maryland football. It's Maryland football. There's going to be a controversy about everything. <laughs> uh, sure. There will people still be people calling for Caleb Rowe from the stands. If you, if you say so. All that happened when he was injured a couple years ago. I remember it like it was yesterday. What, what a time. Uh, anyway, Thomas, before we leave the air, I want to give everybody a chance to hear about some of the other sports that are going on, including softball beat, what was it, the number one ranked team? Yep, number one. It, 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 it's the silliest thing I think I can just imagine because they went 12-40 and 40 last year. They're, they started this year 0-8. Saturday morning, they lost to winless Florida A&M. And then they just go out in Gainesville, and, and then they come back and beat Florida. There's a, there's a rain delay in the middle of all this, and it doesn't affect them somehow. It, it's, it's fantastic. And, you know, the, I, you know, I covered the team last spring and, you know, got to spend a lot of time around those people. And you, you can tell that the culture around this program – is is changing it's going somewhere um obviously with last year's performance you couldn't really tell where it was going um but this is something to build off of this is something to point to you know really as this whole process is going like you know this is what maryland can do and it's definitely gonna it obviously won't turn the season around but it's something that they're all all gonna build off going forward yes baseball also started and I don't think that any base, anybody who's a baseball fan knows that one game results are 
pretty much irrelevant. What did they do? I should have been paying attention to this, but uh, Maryland win one and two over the weekend. They picked up a win against uh, Alabama State on Sunday. Back in action against, uh, I believe it's LSU over the weekend. Yep, LSU is number five, and oh, that, that is in Baton fun. Rouge. Yep. Yeah. That when, should be fun. It here, I'm gonna, I'm gonna look this up, but. I mean, the thing with baseball and softball in this in the program like Maryland every year is that you know they just can't have they can't start the year off with home game because it's too it's usually too cold. Right now it's it's actually pretty nice. But uh, Maryland's first home game, Maryland baseball's first home game, is uh, all right. It's actually March first, uh, uh, Wednesday against JMU, and then their uh, their first weekend series is on March tenth against Bryant. Mm-hmm. From good, whom they stole a, their new pitching coach. Yes, good information. And lacrosse also, I believe, Maryland men, I think, destroyed High Point, which they didn't do last year, if I can remember correctly. And the women, I think, struggled to beat Georgetown. What was it, Thomas? No, it was. It was I believe it was eighteen to thirteen. But it was it was a it was a it was a blowout that uh, they took all the starters out, and Georgetown made a late run and scored a couple goals. But Maryland was comfortably in the lead. Okay, thank you for correcting me. We'll try to make sure we mention the spring sports on this show. At least mention their results and what has happened, because we should do that, as this is an entirely Maryland sports podcast and not just one focused on football and basketball. But we have other writers who do a very good job covering that, and maybe we'll have them on at some point as the basketball season winds down to talk about the sports that they cover, because that will be a lot of fun, give those sports a day in the sun that they deserve. So that's the end of this show. Maybe felt like we were scratching for straws a bit, but we pulled it out. It's one of Go those team. weird. Th- it's one of those weird shows where it's basketball season, but we kind of we ran the gamut on basketball already, and the spring sports aren't really in their swing yet, and there's no football news. So it's not like one of those shows where we could go with a marathon. Yeah, things things are about to things are about to heat up real real soon. <laughs> Uh, yes, they will, and it will be a lot of fun as the calendar turns to March, which is probably when the next podcast will be. Can't believe it's March already. Probably, it's a yeah. Good time in our lives. I, I'm assuming you were trying to hum the CBS basketball theme, but failed miserably at that, Thomas. Might have sounded wrong. It sounded great here. It sounded pretty wrong to my ears, but that's fine. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's all right. Not, not anybody can hum on tune. I can barely hum on tune, and I hum all the time, and it annoys people. This is a great sign that it must be time to end the podcast. Thank you both for being with us. Thank you all for listening. But of course, go Terps.